Amen. Good morning. You guys hear me? Yes. All right. Good. I put it on right. Oh, well, it's really good to be here um, this morning with you guys. Uh, I can't tell you how different it feels being four feet that way than four feet this way. And I always feel like I'm going to pass out when I come uh, to talk to you guys. But I, 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 contrib- I attribute that less to uh, public speaking and more to um, just things stir in my heart for this body. And um, I yell them over here and hope that you follow. Um, but when I get to come here and just share my heart, it just does something different. And so if I pass out, just I'll come back up and I'll finish. Um, thanks, man. Um, well, hey, if you don't know me, my name is Kaylin Taylor. I'm the worship pastor here. I got a picture of my family in case you haven't seen my adorable kids. Here's a picture of us taking a picture. And uh, sorry, I don't have the original, but I'm, this was good enough. When you got, I've, the more kids we get, the fewer family pictures we have where we're all looking at the camera. So, but I thought this one was cute. So that's my wife, Jenna. Uh, Lily, our oldest, on the right. Uh, Clara on the left. And then Rosie in the tutu. And Evangeline or Evie with something on her face there, uh, the baby one. So I got, do I have another picture? I got you guys a bonus photo. Yeah, come on. Look at that little girl. Jason's deli. Everybody loves it. So there we are. There's my family. Um, Jetta and I have been married for 10 years, right. and um, this, this past August. And it's kind of weird to start being old, you know, and, um, and getting, out of that, getting out of that phase where you're in the single digits. But we have raised our family here, um, not just here in College Station, but here in this family. When I think about it, um, the Hardys did our premarital counseling um, in their first year of planning the church, which I don't know why they said yes to that, um, but they did. And we really have established our, our family here um, with you guys. And we could not be more honored to walk with a people than we are to walk with you. Um, it's been a crazy year, not just um, globally, but even here within our, within our body. And um, I have, am, have been more convinced in the last year than ever before that God is moving in our family here, in our community. And it's been kind of painful at times, but I've been filled with more faith over the last few months, over the last year, that, that God is going to make us into who he set out, us out to be. And it's been difficult at times, it's been painful at times, it's been confusing at times. Um, as to what's going on or how, how, what is he doing. But I just wanted to share with you today that I have more faith than ever that God is making this community and this family into who he set us out to be. And so I'm here for it. And I'm so thankful to be with you guys um, day in and day out just saying yes to Jesus and, um, and, and dreaming about what it will look like as God continues to develop this family in our city. So there you go. Thanks. Um, we are coming to the end of a very long and hard year. Um, socially and politically, there's just, we've been put under pressure to, to have opinions, right? Um, even if we don't necessarily have the information yet to form an opinion, we feel like I'm supposed to have an opinion. And then you layer all of that un, under or on top of a pandemic where we can't hang out, where we can't talk. And all of a sudden, the fabric of the church is being stressed. The seams are being pulled 
with this tension of opinions, but no time to be together and actually gather back around these, these relationships which really hold us together yeah. as a family. And so I'm really thankful that at the end of this year, let's just prophesy the end, you know, the end, the end. of this year, we're getting to come together to celebrate Advent. And we really are taking this time to center ourselves back on what we agree on, to center ourselves back about what is everlasting and um, not temporary. And so that's what we're doing together through Advent. Why, why are we going through this series together? It's really not um, for congruency or anything that's business related. It's family related. We're here to go through Advent together so that we um, reconnect in a lot of the ways that we haven't been able to and we're learning to in this new world. So um, I wanted to just kind of introduce Advent. Raise your hand if you feel like you could explain Advent to somebody else with confidence. I got a half. I got a, I got a fool from Ashley Hardy. Yeah, yeah, we got it. Very good. Okay, awesome. Then I'm in the right room. Um, the, the fall of the non-denom church, right, is the loss of the liturgy and, the, and, and all these things. And, and, um, and there's so much power in these things that maybe they weren't christened uh, by Jesus, but we've chosen things to say, we're going we're gonna to return to this because it helps us remember, yeah, you know? Right. And so that's what Advent is. I'm going to explain it just so that we're all on the same page before we get started in this thing, okay? Um, ad, Advent, Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which is from a translation of the Greek word uh, parousia, which means the coming, the entrance of the Lord. The Advent celebration is to celebrate the first coming of Jesus and to anticipate the second coming of Jesus. Uh, the Gospel Co Coalition states that Advent and Christmas are never held as a full reenactment of the life of Christ, but point to our place between the resurrection and the second coming. And so that's really what we're here to do in this season. It's to reflect and it's to anticipate. When we were talking as, as a creative team just about um, the, the, what do we want Advent? What do we want to happen when we finish Advent as, as, a, as a church? And it was like, I just want to feel anticipation again yeah. for Jesus. I don't want to just remember. I want to feel that, that internal, that anticipation for his second coming. And so um, let's go after that together. Um, it might take a, some, some sewing into it individually. Um, it might take setting some things aside so that we actually have room in our own hearts and minds to experience anticipation. That is a foreign concept in this world to not have something that you want. Um, but we're, that's what we want to do together is experience the anticipation of Jesus and his second coming. Sound good? Yes. Amen. All right. Well, um, in this tradition, there um, is kind of this theme of these four gifts that are, that are celebrated that we get through the coming of Jesus, love, joy, peace, and hope. As I started to think about these things, I was, I was like, they are gifts that we receive, but they also kind of feel like our Jesus-following superpowers. <laughs> They're these divine things that sometimes look like things that are, that are in earth just by nature, like love. It's like pretty much everybody's going to love their child, at least until they make them mad, you know? But it's this supernatural love that takes it to the next level. Yeah. That's my baby. <laughs> um, 
we think about hope and uh, a lot of we can see hope in a lot of places, but the one that is everlasting, the one that does not fail, is the one that was given to us by Jesus. We can see joy in a lot of things, and you see joy a lot on Instagram, but we know that the everlasting joy, the prevailing joy, is from Jesus. What's the other one? Peace? There's lots of ways to go try to get peace, and sadly, I think we know that people sit in a, in, a, in a peace that they hope is real their entire lives to find out that it wasn't the supernatural peace. Yeah. But we know that there is a supernatural peace. Yeah. So these are these four gifts, these superpowers that we've been given as gifts. And that's what we celebrate through Advent, how we kind of mark the weeks. Traditionally, it's uh, every Sunday we're, we're celebrating one of these. I think we're doing it out of order, maybe. But again, it's, you know, uh, the Bible didn't say what order to do them in. So we're doing them in this order. And, um, and so I'm excited. <sighs> I don't do this often, so I've got to find, find, find where I am. Thanks, guys. I feel so loved by you all. Okay. Our, our theme verse is the one that we heard in the video. Um, and it is this. Uh, John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So I'm going to pray real quick. Lord, we just open our hearts as your children, and we invite you in, in these weeks, Father, that you would draw us and fill us with these gifts, that you'd open our eyes and our ears to see and to hear truth, to see beauty that is found only in you. And um, Lord, we just ask together, even, even if you just commit yourself to this prayer, as I say it, that you would draw us together in these weeks that when we go into January, that we would have something new between us, and it would be you. We love you, and we bless you. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, the superpower that we are talking about today is love. And um, to be honest, I wasn't supposed to preach this week. I was supposed to do the Thanksgiving thing. And I was, uh, but then I got COVID, so I didn't get to come (laughs) share that message. Um, I'm safe now. Uh, we, so I was excited about that one. I was like, thanks, thankfulness. That's like worship. You know, like I can do this. That's easy for me. And then that got canceled. And I was like, but I already like worked on a mess. Great. We'll just next time, you know? And, and then, uh, and then we come up and I, and Tyler is like, Hey, uh, we're going to have you instead, you know, uh, open up Advent with love. And, and my first feeling honestly was this like shocking insecurity that I am fully aware of people who are better at love than me, you know? Um, and that I could look at people in this room and say, I, I like watch them to learn how to love. Um, and I feel like I may not have the greatest authority on this topic. So um, I, I love people, I, I, I really do. But, <laughs> I, I, but it's just that, that you know, that, that feeling where you're like, I work on that. This is easy, you know? 
Um, and but that's I'm, who I'm. That's what I'm bringing today. Is that I love you guys. I love this family, and I do feel like I've been carrying a word in my belly for a year. And when I we looked at and when I started looking into love, it felt like the Lord was saying, "This is the key to the thing that I've been stirring in you." And so over the last couple, couple weeks of just sowing into love, um, my life honestly has been turned upside down a little bit. My wife can uh, testify. I have feel I feel like so much has changed in my own heart just by looking at the scriptures and, um, and having the Lord reveal what his love looks like. So I, I'm going to give you my con- the things that the Lord has placed on me and, and the things that have convicted me recently. And, uh, and I can testify they have changed my life even in two weeks. So, uh, sound good? Okay. Thanks, guys. A little feedback. So when I started, when I started this whole thing, I, I just, I, I always get so whiteboardy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, okay, love, let's go and write it out. And I start, start going. I'm trying to just make sense. Like, wh- what path are we going to run, Lord? What are you trying to reveal to us? And I just started asking the question of, of what is love? And looking for a definition, you know? And there's like plenty of ways to describe it. There's lots of ways we experience it. We can point at it. And like that, there was love in that. I, I love that person. I can, that's easy for me to highlight. In the, even in the scriptures, we see love described. It's, um, you know, uh, it does not envy. Um, it does not boast. It's kind. You know, it's like we, we see all of these descriptions, but finding a definition, um, I couldn't find anything that really satisfied or completed. And to be honest, there may not be <laughs> one definition. Um, but the biggest aha as I was going through it was really realizing how central love is, and specifically to the body of Christ. And what he's been stirring in my belly is this, this body of Christ, this yearning for us to be one and to be unified, and the, the wonder of what does it look like when we actually come together in unity um, in the way that God um, has, has revealed to us and called us into. And he's just looking at love, realizing, wow, um, it is very, cl- very clearly is that learning, us learning to love one another is one of great, Jesus's greatest prayers and hopes for us. You can see it in the way that he talks with the Father. It's one of the greatest things he, he, he asks for is that we would love one another and would be one together. So that was the biggest aha going through the whole thing, and it really um, uh, opened up a lot of things. Um, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, I just ended up asking this question of, like, do I have love in me? And beyond my, human capa- my natural human capacity to love um, a loved one, to love someone I, I married because I liked them, <laughs> to love my child because I, 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 you know, I, I bore them, um, <laughs> To, to a degree, and you know, and <laughs> do I have that that ability to love that goes beyond what's natural to human, uh, but actually is divine? The kind of love that only comes from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and um, that was the question I was asking, and it became very black and white at that point of if I have love for someone. Um, as I as I began, is is it just in there? Um, I think we get a lot of answers from Jesus. 
Jesus was sent in part to clarify for us love and what it looks like in the flesh. All this time before, we had, um, we had words from God and we had, um, uh, we had miracles from God, all testifying of his love for us. But then Jesus comes in the flesh to show us what it looks like one-on-one. And that's really what blew me away when I began to look at Jesus is his love is one-to-one. Yes, he loves the many, but when you see it, he loves people one-on-one all through the Gospels. And every miracle that happened, the person that the miracle happened to, except for the ones who didn't seem to really experience what he intended, they turn back to him and they've nearly forgotten the miracle. They have experienced the love of the Father through Jesus. And that's what they respond to. You know? Um, It it kind of blew my mind that that is obviously what Jesus knew would be the most effective way to spend his time on the earth. not even, just ma- not even just the 12 disciples. Even that, even that we can feel like it's like, oh, he taught these. Yes, he, he taught while he was here. But you can see that his greatest priority was to go out and display the love of the Father, the character of God, one to one. And somehow, all, like, somehow through that, that was enough for the world to get a glimpse of the love of the Father and of, and of his character in the flesh. That was enough to light the fuse. Of his church, you know, and uh, so what I what I feel like if I look at Jesus and I try to define what if I try to find the definition of love, and I want to say the definition of love in action. I don't want to offend anybody who has a definition of love they're married to. You know, like I'm like that's great. I'm telling you what I saw was and what healed a lot of things in me was that love. Where'd I write it down? To love is to look at another and see a treasure. And there's other ways to say it, but that's like, that that changed something for me. Because it's easy for me to see my children as a treasure. It's easy for me to see my wife as a treasure. Until family things start going wrong, right? But do I have the ability to that supernatural ability to look at someone and, and see a treasure like God sees a treasure in them. Um, somebody I don't know. It's, um, an, an enemy, we could say. Do I have the ability to look and see a treasure and, and even more than acknowledge that it's a truth that they are a treasure? Because we can do that sometimes, you know, and be like, ah, bless their heart. <laughs> I acknowledge that they are a child of God, but, but do, we, do we feel it? You know, like, do we have it in us? That ability to see the treasure, is it in us? Do, are we able to feel it so much so that we're actually able to make decisions and treat people like a treasure rather than avoid them because we're afraid that we won't? Do we have that ability, you know? And, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't think we do without the Holy Spirit. Without this gift that the coming of Jesus provided, which is the supernatural love of God. Cool. That was good. I got like a whole page.
So what's the issue um, if, if we don't have that ability, you know? And I think there can be a lot of issues. If we're, we're following Jesus, we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, <laughs> now what's the issue sometimes when I can't figure out how to love, when I can't figure out how to feel it and like really acknowledge it? And um, I, I feel like, to me, um, unmet needs always end up taking precedent, especially unmet needs of the heart. And so if I'm walking around with these unmet needs in my heart, it is too expensive for me to love somebody who's difficult to love or somebody who's far from me, just even in life circumstance. You know, you're different from me, so it's hard for me to figure out how to love you. Um, these unmet needs of the heart can cause a lot of problems. The needs of the heart are vast and continual in our discovery of them. When one is, is filled, we find another. Um, who could possibly fulfill those needs in us? And um, that's where we, we turn around and we realize the love of the Father coming and meeting our needs, us being continually filled is the only way that we're going to be able to carry this thing um, to overflow. We want to fill the world with his love, uh, but his in intention was never for us to hand it over like a hot potato yeah. Yeah. or to point at it like something to be admired, yeah. mm -hmm. um, but rather to live so filled and so ever filled that we overflow his love into the world. Um, it sounds kind of like a, a fairy tale or a, or a veggie tale <laughs> to be filled in such a way. And especially for those who've been in the church for a long time, it can feel hard um, to make it real. Does that make sense? It feels almost like a snow globe on the shelf. You know, it's like, it's part of Christmas. I don't, it, it, like, how do I, what, how does it, how is like, how is being filled with the love of God continually, how is it real? And what does it look like? And can I really convince myself that if I, if I wait on it, it's going to come? That's what I find my biggest problem to be sometimes. It's just trusting that if I believe that it really is possible, yeah. that I'm going to have to wait, yeah. that I'm going to have to trust, that I'm going to have to persevere in faith, you know, that it's going to come. So um, that's what we need to tend first. It's that, that belief and the expectation, knowing that God's love will fulfill every one of my needs in my heart, um, it's everything that I need to be everything that he's called me to be and everything that I want to be, right? And we all want, we want to see beautiful things come out of our lives. Um, but it's so hard when we're not in that place of being filled continually. So um, this Christmas, as we reflect on the first coming, we acknowledge that Jesus was the proof, the proof that the Father's love is toward us. Um, it's not just a thing that exists, right? Like that thing to point at or a hot potato to hand to somebody of the love of God. Um, but it's, it's, it is toward us individually. It's toward you. Um, and I think it's really important that we um, like tend that truth, tend that with truth, tend that with the scripture and continually to go back to these scriptures that, that, that affirm it and say, Lord, refresh it in me. 
So can I read some scriptures that refresh it? Um, if you're a football fan, you'll know this one. John 3.16 and 17. All right. Refresh yourself, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I'm going to read 1 John 4, and 9, 4, 4 verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So the love of God was made manifest among us. Another translation said, the love of God was displayed among us in this, that he sent his son into the world. So we receive the coming of Jesus as a sign, the manifestation of God's love for us. In Colossians 1, 19 through 22, it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in, in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. In order that you would be his treasure. Yeah. Going into marriage, that was one of the, the... I asked Ray Evans and he didn't have an answer for me. I remember... Ten years ago, I was like, what does it mean to, to present your wife, you know, holy and blameless and above reproach, you know? And he's like, eh. <laughs> You just got to live it out, you know? Like, I can't, he, he's not a man of many words, you know? And you, you got you to gotta figure that out. But yeah, that she would be a treasure. She was... The church was already his treasure, but she was tarnished. And she was forcefully separated from him. And so he sent his son. He is, his main thing is reconciliation. Ever since the fall, all, everything we do and everything we're heading towards is reconciliation. He has defined us as ministers of reconciliation, every one of us. So it's like that. That's my worldview at this point. Our end is, is that, we would, that, that he would dwell with us. In Revelation, it says that he would dwell with us, that we would be his people, that he would be our God. Our end goal is reconciliation with him. And he is achieving that reconciliation with reconciliation by, by, by bringing us closer to him, by giving us his Holy Spirit. And now we are the ministers pouring out what he's given, you know? So that, sorry, I knew I was going to say that. And I never wrote it in there. Um, I just can't. It's just like, it's, it's my worldview at this point. We're just heading towards reconciliation with our father.
And so everything he does and everything we do, that's what it is. We're, we're just constantly in the ministry of it. And um, so that we would be his treasure. We are his treasure. He's doing everything. Jesus' coming was the proof that the Father's love is toward us, not just a thing to be admired or even desired. Um, we have it because Jesus came. So as we anticipate the second coming of Christ, we find ourselves in between in a time of preparation. But sometimes we can individualize too much and think that preparation is only about our own hearts. But I believe that we can see in Scripture that preparation is very much about the body of Christ. So as we turn from um, reflecting on his first coming and we look towards his second, yes, there is an individual uh, component of you saying yes to Jesus, submitting your life to him. But the preparation is about the body of Christ, yeah. about us together. I know some of you are like, yes, and some of you guys like, are like, you know, whatever it is, like maybe you're in college and you've only been here a year and you're going to be gone in a couple and it feels hard to feel like a connection to the body of Christ, local, like this one, not saying your global deal, this one, it feels important or, or essential when it's something that, you know, here is, is going to be for a season, but it's so central to our preparation for his second coming. Yeah. And... Um, I wanted to read, just kind of do an old-fashioned scripture reading. Um, and I, I read through these, and, and God spoke a lot of things to me. I don't just want to give you those. I would really love, as we, if we're, when we're talking about unity, if we could let God speak corporate words and speak individual words, and we come and we bring them together. And so um, this is a little bit different, but I really wanted to read through, I'm sorry, four, <laughs> four scriptures um, and really just let the Lord reveal things to us individually. Okay, so let's just, whatever mood you're in, like shake it out. Let's change it. If you got to get something to write with or get your phone out to jot it down, I'm going to read some scriptures and, um, and I, I want us to listen. And if the Lord just highlights something to you, if something pops out, um, however he speaks to you, um, I just want us to listen um, a little bit and, and, and ask the Lord, what are you showing me in these? Sound good? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> I should probably do it in like those voices, you know, Matthew 22. <laughs> but I won't. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. <laughs> But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I'm just going to leave a second of silence here. And if you need to write something down, do it. Colossians 3, 
12 through 14. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. First Corinthians 13, 1 through 10, and, and verse 13. I skipped two only because it kind of made it hard to pay attention. Um, if I speak in the, in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but, I, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide and these three, but the greatest of these is love. last one is in John 17, uh, verse 20 through 26. It is the high priestly prayer, and it is the prayer that's recorded um, basically right before Jesus gets captured to go um, to the cross. And so I, I've just always seen this as obviously um, important. It's his last intercession that we have recorded like this, where it's just him and the Father and so try to hold on. It, it, there's lots of words, but just <laughs> try to hear what he's saying. I do not ask for these only, referring to his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. It's remarkable to me in that last one how he asked the same thing like six times. <laughs> you know? Um, Madison, what did you hear in those? Just like a compelling desire to, to be one. Amen. Lori? Yeah, so much of it so that we could see his glory. Um, that's a good point. <laughs> that his glory looks like the church being one. Um, yeah. Oh. Connor. Good to see you, man. What'd you hear? Yeah, yeah. Um, did you hear Lord say reveal anything to you in those? Yeah, man. Love is foundational. Mm. Love, yeah. Yep. That was it. Are my takeaways? Love is eternal. We have very few things that are that. Even knowledge. I mean, prophecies, they all pass away. But love never ends. So, my takeaways, if you want. Love is eternal. And unity is impossible without love. Without the divine, Holy Spirit-filled love. And um, unity is difficult, and oftentimes we're in and out of our capacity, right? And that's, that's okay. We're, we're learning and we're growing. We're in and out of our capacity to love in a perfect way or in a pure way. Um, but that's why there's the, other, the, other, the other person has love, right? This, if I picture a seam of a garment, it's like they're both pulling toward one another. Um, and uh, it's not like Velcro where one side, <laughs> you know, it's like we are, no, we are pulled towards one another, tight. And when one is getting pulled away, the other pulls back. And um, when one weakens in their ability to love, 
whether it be life circumstances, um, maturity, whatever it is, that the other is there to compensate and to tarry, you know, and to value um, the love and the unity over all other relational aspects, um, whether it be us getting along or whether it be us agreeing or whether it be, I don't know, even just getting time together. It's like our, that our number one would be that we have love between us and um, that I would set down anything, even things I'm passionate about, so that I could have love for you. And there's times where there's, um, people go separate ways. But um, I think we can still love in the middle of all of that. And um, that's what I feel like the Lord has for us as a body, is to, is to say, Lord, heal me where my capacity to love has like reached its end. And in the places that I've begun to fascinate about what it could be like without that person causing me problems. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, think, I think the real holy dream is to not fascinate about what it looks like to not have somebody causing us problems, but what it looks like for us to love all the way through those things. Just like we say in marriage, you know, and um, that that we're we're going to persevere. We're going to let our love persevere, and the body of Christ taking that toward one another, and to say, "I'm going to value love over everything else." And if we if we say if if we put our effort into that, that the world would see the glory of Jesus. The world would see the glory of God in us. Um, and maybe we wouldn't have to try so hard in other ways, you know, um, if we had love. So um, I'm lost. Um, <laughs> let me figure out where we're going. Amen. Okay. So we want to be filled to overflow, right? At the end of the day, we don't want to have to try to love so hard. Um, we want to figure out how he intended it to work. Um, I always think, you know, uh, following God, it's not going to be easy, but it should be a, a pretty functional machine to, 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 if I'm receiving all his parts and the oil in them, you know, it's like if I'm doing what he instructed, I should actually see functionally, it should be beautiful. Not meaning I can't do hard work, but functionally, it should be beautiful. People should look at the church and say, I can't believe it. I can't believe they disagreed like that, and now they're hugging, you know? Like, whatever. Like, the world should look at the church, and it should be mind-blowing about how we love each other because the things that he's set forth and for us to do and, and to hold, they are perfect, um, and they're working. So we want to be filled to overflow. Um, God's love isn't experienced to the full in this earth until we're overflowing with that love onto those around us, free, um, no fear of running dry, um, but much like a vessel, if we're not full, but only partially full, it becomes work to share it, right? Um, not only that, but when we share, we often feel drained in the process. But when we set our hope in him as the fulfiller of every need and wait on him to fill us to overflow, 
sharing becomes a natural part of life. So we're going to take, Van, if y'all want to come on up. I don't get to say that very often. That's, that's good. Um, I want us to just take some time to, one, we, we see the beauty of what love is in these scriptures. We see how perfect it is and how um, powerful and effective that it is. But I hope that it draws us not to just um, hoping that we can attain it, but more saying, Lord, I can't, would you come and would you fill me with your love? Um, we, tending, tending our heart is one of the most important things that we can do. And I'm not talking about this modern day self-care <laughs> regimen. Uh, sorry, maybe y'all don't watch the same videos I do. Um, <laughs> you know, there's this thing going of, of self-care. And, you know, it's, like, it's kind of like maintaining your peace by making sure you have the things that you need to feel peaceful. But when those things get taken away, all of a sudden I didn't get my self-care time, so I'm mad at you, and I get to be. Because, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about tending our heart and tending our faith and tending our relationship with God and tending our understanding and revelation of his love towards us. So um, let's, let's stand up. Pads. Um, I'm hoping that as a family, love is going to be our number one priority, the centerpiece of our culture and our experience together. Without it, we are nothing. Our songs are clinging symbols, and our acts of service are hollow tombs. But we just need a revelation of the love that already exists towards us to be fulfilled afresh. And we want to make a habit of tending this place in our hearts individually and as a family. So Father, we just say yes, Lord. I can't, I can't give a revelation of your love today that's um, going to be everything that we need for, for the rest of our time here on the earth. But Lord, we just say yes as individuals and as a family. Lord, to tending our understanding and our revelation and our place of relationship with you that, it, that acknowledges your love towards us. Lord, we just ask right now, um, and even just wait on him, Lord, show us the places that are broken in our understanding of your love. that your love is whole towards us, it's complete towards us, Lord, that it's powerful and effective towards us. Thank you that your love and our relationship with you does get to be our first place, Lord, that we go to. Thank you that when we're filled by you, we're made to be like you. We don't have to try so hard to be like you, but we just get to look like you. So, Lord, we say in this time and in this season, draw us together in unity as one 
Lord, fill us with your divine, supernatural love, God. Make us patient to wait on it, Lord. Show us where to set aside the things, Lord, that are, are taking our, our focus or, or teaching us in patience, Lord. Let us learn to wait on you and find the real thing. Find the real thing. So we're going to sing a song um, just about being amazed by the love of God. And I just want us to corporately open up, surrender, and even yearn to know the love of God towards us. Amen. Amen.